Alana JLo. Rick Hammond. I was living in Denver. Uh-huh. And this was maybe a month after I moved. So we're talking late September, early October 2006. Uh-huh. At my particular training program of choice. Yeah. I almost said the name of the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're probably going to... They've been me too a little bit, so maybe I shouldn't say anything <laughs> too much. <badly. laughs> you don't want to give them any more of a high profile, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. People can research it and find out. Oh, by reason. the way, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And I was talking with a friend of mine. Uh-huh. This girl made a comment, and I, I said something like very innocuous. Okay. Innocuous. She's a little bit cray. She got up in my face and was offended. Wow. This one, like, pussy-webbed guy who had never been laid before starts defending her. Wait, this the story is going somewhere. Wait, 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 wait. Is this actually in public? Yes. Oh. This is during lunch at this at the okay. place. Oh, okay. All right. And he starts defending her. He, she thought that I said something about her being fat. Wow. A student had started that day, and he's like, oh, you're not fat. Don't listen to him. <laughs> he was one of those guys who injected him himself in a thing. Things. It, 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 yeah, he 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 um he inserted himself into the conversation. And right? the yeah, and the rumor going around is that this guy got laid a fair amount, but the way he did it was he would buy everything for women, right? So if a woman wanted a new stereo system, he'd buy it for her. That's if insane. she wanted somebody to co-sign on a car, he'd do that. So so he he's basically buying a, a woman's affections. And he wasn't rich, so he did it. He got himself in a huge amount of debt. Whoa. Yeah. Anyways, oh, I'm, I'm okay. getting off the story. All right. Oh, okay. <gasps> that same day, uh-huh. somebody I kind of knew said, hey, Rick, <laughs> that was intense. Uh, why don't we go and hang out tonight? Uh-huh. We go downtown to ESPN Sports Center, uh-huh. eating, play some air hockey. Air hockey's so fun. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. And yeah. we were kind of hammered. I'm not going to lie, babes. Uh-oh. This was before J-Lo. Okay. We're walking downtown. These girls come up to us and they say, excuse me, um, we, we had a question for you. And first I'm thinking, oh, God. Oh, yeah, I remember this story. Mm-hmm. I remember it all too well. I'm segueing, babes. Okay. Can we spank you? And I, they were like young, around our age, 20s. Oh, wait. I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Can we spank you? Well, sure. So we got a spanked. Now, babe. I, I can't believe we're going to talk about this. We are going to talk about this. <laughs> I have spanked a few women in my life. And I'm not going to say the last one I spanked, but let's just say it was as recently as last night. Oh, my goodness. And I stayed over here. Uh, but oh, oh, I am so embarrassed. When I I'm do embarrassed it, that we're even talking about this topic. Well, nobody knows who I spanked last I night. I know, but still. <laughs> still. doesn't matter if... It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> But here's the thing. I spank women for uh, adult gratification, right? So I would never spank a woman as a form of discipline, right? So so I just wanted to clarify that. Last night we're talking and I asked you the question, what would it be like if you went to a church, the pastor got up on stage and said, Hey, I spank my wife. I just want right. you to know that. And you well, said, you said, Oh yeah, that happens. A lot of times well, men will want to discipline their women. Well, 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 I never said a lot of times. I said, I heard okay. of guys doing that. And only once I should, I should clarify. Not, oh, okay. I thought it was a lot, but a bunch of times. I mean, once, mm. um, 
Having said that, I don't care what people do behind closed doors. What I don't like, because I've heard of pastors who have done this in, in their own churches, mm-hmm. but I heard of pastors actually spanking and for discipline, for disciplinary reasons, spanking somebody in front of of the church, in front of the congregation. I don't think that's right. I think it's humiliating. That's a little bit weird. <laughs> I think it's very humiliating. But, but, but. As I've said, uh, clarifying that I've heard of guys doing that, but just once. Yeah, it, it's weird because I'm I'm a fun. I would I would call myself a fun spanker. Oh my goodness! Oh, and I've been I, so I've spanked a couple women, and I've also been spanked by <laughs> one or two other women too. Because oh. I went I, okay, we we won't get everything. Oh, why? <laughs> Are we talking about well, this? Well, so I'm a fun spanker, but don't you think that there's it borderlines on abuse when a man spanks a woman and it's not for any sexual kicks. I honestly think it's a, I honestly think it's um, weird when a, a guy and or a girl thinks that spanking is for pleasure. Cause I never thought spanking was for fun. Okay. I, I I've been spanked when I was a kid. I didn't like it. It was over before, you know, it was over after a while and I got over it, but I never thought of spanking as fun. I thought of, of, of spanking as a punishment. Because that's that's how it was in my house, and you know, and 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 I was, and I believe I was a better person for it. Um, so every time I think about women uh, getting off because they're being spanked, it really makes me cringe. Honestly, oh, it really does make me cringe. I I just never, I never thought there was anything fun or sexy about it. Uh, just as much as I don't think that uh, being bonded. Uh, you know, being tied to a bed and whipped mercilessly is. Uh, something that I would want to get into. Um, we're saving that bond. It's part for the tying, wedding night. Or, di- or tying glow sticks to uh, oh, men's uh, men's manhoods and and pulling. I think I think that's painful. That sounds painful to me. Oh yeah. So I, 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 told- oh, I think, okay, okay. Okay. I don't think we need to go into the story. <laughs> I never. Uh, did, I never. By the way, I just want to clarify that never happened with me. I always thought that was weird. But I've been in situations where I've seen other guys have glow it sticks. It sounds painful. Yeah, and I think I think it's when it goes too far when women and or men are treating each other like they're slaves, and I I don't like that because I don't, uh, you know, now that uh, right now uh, there is a rise in sex trafficking, mm-hmm. I don't like that idea of people getting whipped, uh, people getting tied up. Um, that just sounds very very uh, sick and disgusting to me. Before my J Lo. Long before I was hanging out with this dominatrix and I had seen her pull a glow stick that was attached to this guy's penis and balls and just like, yank oh, it. that like, just sounds painful. A, maybe a half hour before this conversation. And he did not get with this person. I, I don't know if he did or not. No, 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 you. No, 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 I was trying to. But but it's probably good you didn't. Well, we're talking and having a great conversation and we're laughing and it seems like we have a lot in common. She was bisexual, so I had already known that she had a living girlfriend. Uh, but I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know my J-Lo yet. We hadn't met. And I'm thinking, so, well, since I haven't met my J-Lo, maybe I could, <laughs> you know, hang out with this girl sometime and have some fun. <laughs> okay. So I said to her, hey, miss, I don't know my J-Lo yet, <laughs> but what do you look for in a man? 
She looks at me dead seriously and she says, I really want a slave. And she says, you know, a lot of guys think because I'm a lesbian and I'm good looking that it's going to be just like fun. It's be great. Yeah. That but she's like, part of it. they don't realize the reality of what I mean when I say I want a slave. And then my mind went back to the image of her pulling on that glow stick. Uh. I thought to myself, you seem cool, but this is where Rick taps out. Right. Yes. I don't, I don't like the idea. I, I, I think that slavery, because it's just been so perverted mm-hmm. and I don't like that, that I don't, I don't know. And I've never met a dominatrix. I hope I never do, but I don't, you don't know if you have or not. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have, <laughs> but, um, um, what I mean is when someone is being sex trafficked, right? Yeah. That uh, you would agree with me that there's a form of slavery. Um, yes. when someone is hold, held against their will and, forced to do acts with people that they don't know. When I think about the dominatrix thing, I think about women that have been kidnapped to do those, those things, whether it's to women, whether it's with women or men. And Mm -hmm. I, that, that makes me cringe. That makes me cringe to think that women, um, would want to dominate a guy and, vice versa women because they do that to women too we are going a little bit off topic here okay my initial question was going to be all right what do you think of men who spank their women and they're not doing it for sexual gratification they're just doing it as like i said i think it's i i'm not i mean i'm not going to say that it's it's common or that it's uh necessarily something that i would uh support i guess i don't i don't know i don't know how to phrase it do you think they should go to jail no really no i don't Mm. well because there's a difference to me there's a difference between spanking and beating the the living daylights out of somebody you're spanking somebody because you want to discipline them but when you're beating someone you're actually leaving very big welts, bruises, uh, bloody, uh, bloody k- uh, skin, whatever it is. But when I, you know, when I was, I can only speak for myself. When yeah. I was spanked as a kid, um, I may have had some marks, but it wasn't enough to, it wasn't enough for me to call the police or <laughs> it wasn't enough for me to, to put my parents in, in, in jail or anything. Okay. So as you know, even though I love saying everything I learned about how to discipline kids, I learned from the Ramones because they did that song, Beat on the Brat with the Baseball Bat. The reality is, I don't think kids should be spanked. And I know that most people don't abuse their kids and all that stuff. But I think you're sending a message that you can't just handle a situation w- with words and you have to resort well, to violence. Well, here's the thing, though. Okay? Words don't always work. And sometimes parents have to go use the last resort by spanking someone and it usually gets the job done. And and also, um, parents will tell you that I've spanked their kids. The kids feel pain for a while, but it's, it's done. They're, they're fine. It's worse than if a person is emotionally and verbally abusing somebody. I think that leaves the most marks than a spank on the rear end. I feel that I was emotionally abused as a kid. 
you know a little bit of my history. You don't know. You weren't there with me, but you've heard stories about my childhood. Right. Do you yeah. think that that's a fair analysis from what you know? I mean, I know you didn't go into too much detail, but I think it's a fair analysis. Mm-hmm. But um, have you found ways to learn how to manage that and 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 learn how to cope with it? Yeah, the way I cope with it is I uh, spank women for erotic kicks. No, no, sorry, oh, my dumb goodness. joke. No, no, no. I mean, I've done therapy. I do morning pages. I'm big into meditation. You know that stuff. I don't do morning pages as much as I should. And I could always meditate more, but I do what I can. I'm le- I'm working on myself. Right, 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 right. And you, you, um, you don't because I, I, I hear stories about men and women that have been emotionally, uh, and severely verbally abused, um, as kids, and they just continually berate themselves over and over and over again, and it's like self-loathing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Have you, um, ever felt that you were having? Um, inclinations to self-loathe or did you feel like, okay, I know what would, um, I know what would, uh, quote unquote trigger my self-loathing. Now I know how to deal with it. I don't know if I'll ever fully have it under control, but I have a better grasp of it. But you can manage it. Yeah. And I want to say, it's not like my parents physically abused me. Right. It was stuff where like, um... Sometimes we'd move in the middle of the night or... Talking it, about death. Oh, yeah. My mom was really yeah. into talking about really, death. Really obsessed with death. and. But it would it would also take the form of, you know, my parents saying, hey, we're going to do something and then we never do it. Or we never would... Inconsistency, yes. Or my dad would have food and nobody yeah. else would. Or, you wow. know, things like that. That, yeah. Or so, or the story with that hooker that I told you. So, yeah, that was very... That was, that was the one story that I honestly was so disturbed that I was going to cry right there because it was very disturbing. The funny thing is, babes, you're not the only woman I, woman I've told who's felt that way about that story. To me, that's not even on the top five most disturbing stories of my childhood. But every woman or a couple other women I've told that story to tell me that that really triggered them. So the, I'll, I'll make the story quick. I was sick one night. I fell asleep on my dad's bed. By this time, him and my mom had broken up. I was around eight years old. Do we have to tell the story? Why not? We already mentioned it. I know, but why? (laughs) Why? uh, Why? (laughs) Well, we already started, babe. I know, but uh, you don't have to tell everything. (laughs) I don't like alluding to things. You don't have to tell every single story about your childhood. I'm just saying. Okay. And my dad uh, woke me Uh, up for cake and ice cream. (laughs) No, Can I tell the story? No. You really don't want me to tell the story. No, I don't. Wow, you're that disturbed by it. Yes. Okay. Yes. If 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 I'm telling you that I'm disturbed enough to cry, I think that's a sign that I'm really disturbed yeah. about it. Yeah, and the fact that you're not the only woman who said that uh to me. Uh so, so I mean something. if you if you start if you start telling a story, I might have to leave the room. That's what that's how I feel. Oh about really? It. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well I actually loved it, babes. So I, I understand that. Yeah. How do we get on child abuse? Anyways. Oh spanking bugs. Yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, we're we're going in the weeds here. The, we are, babes. And and it's your fault, of course. It is not my <laughs> I was abused as a child. It is not hey, you know what? I've gone through some abusive things too. Well, but... good for you. Ah! <laughs> No, no, no. I, 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 I appreciate your sympathy, Bugs. I honestly think, babes, that's a part of life. Everybody is going to have some fucked up stuff happen to them. Nobody gets a free pass. 
I, I yeah I know and and people there are people that learn how to manage it and deal with it and there are other people that just cannot get over it and they haven't they haven't come to grips with it. Mm-hmm. I had some abusive things happen to me um and my family that I've witnessed and that I'll I'll never ever ever forget. Um but I've I uh and I haven't gone to therapists cuz I I really are am very um leery about certain therapists because i don't want to go to someone that will give me some psycho babble i'm a uh, big fan of therapy as you know yeah yeah i we really have to um really choose a therapist well but um um i i know the after effects of it and mm. you know i know the the aftermath of divorce and um it's a messy messy thing um I, uh, I honestly think it shaped, shaped me into the person that I am, um, in a, in a positive way, but there are things that, you know, I will never, I, I won't forget. There are things that I will not forget. Oh. Um, but it, I think the, the, um, the thing is, is to learn how to, it may not, like you said, it may not ever go away as far as being under control as how to do, how to cope with those things. But if you know how to cope with it, you'll, you know, you won't have much problems with it, I think. It adds to the tapestry of your life. And some people just don't know how to cope and they blame and shame other people for their, um, their outcome or their outlook. And it's, it's sad to see, it's sad to see that full grown adults still can't get over things that have not been, um, that they haven't had any closure. Yes. Yeah. There we go, Jay. Well, like you say, it's sad to see, and I say very good. Sorry, babes. They say that that's a defense mechanism is joking about things. Yeah, you like like to do that a lot. Do you think that I do that as a way to avoid getting to the core of my issues? I think you also do that to avoid me getting really angry with you. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And I'm not saying that to at all to attack you, but I've noticed that a lot. Instead of talking about it, sometimes I'll just laugh it off and like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. People have called me out on that and said, hey, you, not everything has to be a joke, bro. And I've gotten angry with you about that because mm-hmm. sometimes if I've done something and I made a fool of myself, uh, the last thing I want to hear is you laughing at me when I really didn't mean to do something ridiculously stupid. Well, just know, babes, when I'm making a joke, it really means that I'm crying inside. No, it's not. No, no, no. You're laughing inside as well as outside. <laughs> but then we talk about it afterwards, so it's not like it's never addressed. Yes. But it, it really does annoy me when <laughs> I just want you to know. Okay, good. If you don't want to, if you, if, uh, I, and I kind of wonder if, if you, uh, and, and, and just not, not just me, but, uh, that you do this with, but I wonder if you laugh things off because you're avoiding, the real conversation for you're, you're saving it for later. You don't want to deal with it now, but you want to deal with it later. I've had people suggest to me that I, I make things a joke as a way of avoiding the reality of certain situations. Avoiding conflict. Yeah. And there might be some truth in that, but it's also how you interpret things. Like, do I do that with everything? No. Is it a habit that has helped me in the past? Yes. Do I need to do it as much as I do? I don't know. I mean, when I get mad at somebody, 
the the most I'll do is just not talk to them for a day or two, mm-hmm. or I won't answer an email, or or I just avoid them for a while and not address it and just kind of um um get to the point where my head is cool enough to talk about it. Yes. Because I don't want to I don't want to talk about it when I'm really angry. And I know that people like to talk about stuff when they get angry, but then they say the the most horrible things when they're angry. But maybe it's good that you get it out of your system. Yeah, but I think well, as you said, cooler heads prevail, and there are people that have said some horrible things when they're angry and it hurts even deeper than what they would have said if their head was cool. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that. I think you need to take both. Sometimes it's best to say, let's rest on it and come back when we've had a chance to really process things. And other occasions, it's good to just let it all rip. But I think that you also have to think about the other person. If the person says, I don't want to talk about this, then you also have to respect the fact that they don't want to talk about it. I'm a little bit bad with that. Yeah, I mean, there were times where you're like, can we talk about this? And I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about it because I am i don't want to deal with it when you're angry. Oh. Because I've dealt with people that were like, I want to talk about this now and I don't want to stop talking about it until I get everything out. And then before you know it, hurt words were said and they can't take it back. Yes. And it it's hurt me deeply than if they would have just said something uh when their head was cooler i'm glad i never did that you will no i didn't i didn't let you <laughs> babes you once again you've taken this off topic but well there is a reason for that oh well okay so let's go back to my question now that you've had some time to process and deal with it um i would consider spanking if you're doing it to discipline to an adult woman as a form of spousal abuse, if you're married, obviously, but it, it sounds like we disagree on this. No, we, we, we do because I've, uh, um, I've seen domestic violence in my own family and it's more than just spanking someone on the bottom, hitting somebody in the face, punching somebody, um, speaking in a, a very, um, speaking in a very uh, loud tone to somebody, it's it's more than just beating someone over the bottom. And I, um, like I've said, I've heard of men doing that once to their wives, not all the time. I mean, and I don't know if it was just, I, I don't know if that's exactly true, per se. I just heard of them. But, um, but, but at the same time, I don't really... I don't really care about what happens to somebody behind closed doors unless I know for sure that they are in a bad situation. But even so, sometimes I just don't want to get involved. Don't you think, okay, abuse can be more than spanking. Yes, of course. But don't you think that abuse could also be spanking? If it's not done correctly. Hmm. Okay. Like I said, if you're whipping someone where the skin is raw... That's something to take into account. That's not healthy. It's not like you're, um, it's not like you spank someone once and then it's done. It's like you spank someone to the point to where they can't get up anymore. Hmm. That's that's how I feel. Wow. It's so interesting to me. And my friends have commented on this. We see the world so differently. You and I do. I know. Oh, they complimented on how we see Well, they commented on how strange it is that we're a couple. And yet, 
there's so many issues to where we just don't see eye to eye. Yeah, but we well, so far we've managed to maneuver around our differences, mm-hmm. and uh, we haven't really had any major blowouts. That's good, babes. Because, I mean, I'm not. I don't have an explosive personality. Thank goodness I don't have an explosive personality. I'm not emotionally unstable, and you. And it sounds like you're not either. I have my issues, stable, like right? everybody does. Yeah, I would say that I'm for the most part, pretty emotionally stable. I try to do my best to be mindful of when I make commitments to people. I try not to blow up on anybody unless I really have to. I'm not violent. Right, Right, exactly. I spank, but it's just a good nature. You're not, you're not, you're not ready to blow up someone's head off like butcher, right? No, (laughs) I'm not going around and calling people cunts and twats. I well. I do like the word cunt, but I don't use it that much. Yeah, I know you don't. And I'm not really a big fan of the word twat. It's fine. It's a nice word, but cunt is more of my style. Uh, okay, whatever. Yes. That means the same thing. I know, but I, there's something about the word cunt that I really Oh, like. all right. All right. <laughs> I thought that was your favorite word. It's not. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Okay, tickle war. <laughs> tickle war. We're going there. Mm, tickle twat. Okay, I thought we were about to start a tickle war. Ugh. You bad boy. I'm always good boy, and we both know it. No. Now give me a kiss. No. You want to? Do I? Yeah. No. Yeah. Why? Because uh, all this talk of spanking is turning you on. Is it? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's turning you on. Oh, I don't know, babes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, it, it seems like it seems like the littlest phrase could um, get this guy going, but uh, whatever. Okay, so <laughs> I have a friend of mine. I don't know if I've discussed this here. Okay. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. That's okay. And he was telling me that he used to have a real trouble uh, looking at pornography. So he asked me, Rick, how often do you look at pornography? And I said, I probably, actually, I remember the last time I saw a porno or looked at anything suggestive was our porno full out was New Year's Eve going into 2008. And you, you actually watched the whole thing? I watched part of it. Oh, okay. I won't give out details of what it was. It was legal, so nothing weird. It wasn't like it wasn't like a child porn or anything. No, 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 babes. That's your kick. What? But, Excuse me. I'm joking. Bubs. No, no, it wasn't anything Do like that. Do you really want me to leave the room? No, come on, babes. That's a joke. It's not funny. Sorry, that's not funny, babes. At my own expense. Sorry, babes. Sorry, babes. I don't know. Ugh. <laughs> all right, all right. So drive me up the wall, Hammond. Oh, thank you. I said I had not looked at a pornographic movie since late, late 2007. And occasionally I'll see pictures online, but, you know, very rarely. And he said, well, that's amazing. Rick, how do you do that? How do you go so long? And you don't even seem that interested in it. And I said, bro, what you don't understand with me is I could look at a soap commercial and get turned on. <laughs> like, it's the opposite problem. It's It's not that I don't. I, I sympathize with guys who like have a problem with pornography, mm-hmm. but regular day stuff will turn me on. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, mundane thing like a, things like uh, if a woman is washing her clothes with deodorant or, or uh, a detergent, rather. Yeah, I, I could watch a soap. Really? Commercial. Yeah, a soap commercial. Yeah. So I don't. So why do I need hardcore? Like, stuff? like the woman, like if the women, the women in the soap commercials are beautiful, then that would be enough. It, usually, yeah. Wow. But okay. babes, we're getting into the weeds here. So, so you wouldn't be turned on if the if the woman was like an old hag, right? 
N- no. <laughs> if the woman looked like me, yes. for example, and she was washing her clothes with Tide. Yeah, she could also be white, too. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. <laughs> I'll send you, a, I'll send you a, a YouTube link to a bunch of soap commercials for oh, your next birthday. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, Bob, you show you're going to get off. No, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Okay. And I was just using that as an example. So... <laughs> I do not look at pornography on a regular basis, but it's it's not because I'm a great man. It's just because, you know, I it don't It doesn't need do to. anything to you, right? Well, right. it does, but it's I don't need to do that. Right. So why it's 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 almost like it's overkill. Cuz some guys are just like they just can't stop looking at it. It's like this, babes. I could sit down and have a piece of red velvet cake, even a big one, and feel that was really satisfying. Or I could have two large red velvet cakes by oh. myself. Oh. Uh, and then after it's like, okay, I, I don't have to have it all the time. Yeah, then it's like you're sick. And, and it's like that way for me with pornography. It feels like so, it's too much. Have you ever talked to women I that have. have... No, 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 no. You didn't hear my question. Go ahead. You're talking to me right now. Yes. I'm talking about women that have problems looking at those images because they're, they're so addicted to it. Have you ever, because I heard that there's a rise in women looking at those pictures, looking at those movies. And I, I never met one, but I heard that there is. I'm sure I've met women with that problem. Now, have I talked to them about it? No. Because what I don't understand is when I think of a porno, I never watched one from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. But when I think of a porno, I think, well, that woman has got to be degraded. And, and, I've heard so many horror stories about women getting high and drunk out back um, uh, outside of the whatever motel it is or CD place um, before doing it because they were going to do some hardcore stuff. And um, and I I just wonder, I'm like, wow, that woman must be is being degraded and these men are loving this. But what are the women thinking? Are they thinking, oh, I, I, I get off at on a women being degraded even though i am a woman and i wouldn't want that to do to i wouldn't want that to happen to me well i kind of look at it like this i'm not in favor or against pornography i look at it like whatever somebody wants to watch hey that's their thing i i i don't have sexual hang-ups like that mm-hmm. i just think that people are into what they're into and as long as it's not affecting my life and they're not doing it to, you know, kids or animals and everybody's consenting, then good on them. Mm-hmm. And as far as the production of pornography goes, it's honestly probably a mixed bag. There's a lot of times where a woman is being abused behind the scenes and you don't know that as the audience member. Mm-hmm. And there's other times where there are sex positive women who are involved in these films. And if we know that there's productions where women are being abused, then that's something that is very problematic. But unfortunately, we don't always know. And if we don't know, all we can do is go with what we have in front of us. Yeah. Well, that's why I I never, you know, I I never have, well, I can't see it anyway either. But um, every time I think about, I, I think about men and or women watching, I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't understand, but that's yeah, my thing. And I think the human body is a beautiful thing and people should explore their sexuality to the best of their abilities. And I completely disagree with you on that, but we don't have to go uh, down that's the weeds sinful. with that. But no, that's not what, uh, 
there's you're putting words in my mouth okay i this will probably sound like a stupid comment yeah i remember being in school and reading some statistic that i don't know maybe it was 80 percent of all women who appear in porno movies were sexually abused as children i think there's a lot of truth to it i'm sure there is but that was what i was about to say okay the thing that is always kind of I feel a little bit con- contradictory about this. That's really bad. Okay. And we want to uh, reduce sexual abuse in any way we can. Mm-hmm. However, we're taking a survey of one industry. So I've known a lot of women who have been, who have, uh, been victims to sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And the thing I ask myself, okay, we know that some high statistic of women in the adult film industry suffered that. Yeah. But what's the statistic for women who are nurses or women who are secretaries or women who are teachers? Is it lower or higher than women who appear in adult films? I would tend to think that it was lower. You would, that's just, that's just, I mean, I don't know enough about that industry to comment on it, but I would imagine that it was lower. Yeah, you would imagine that. And the thing these surveys don't do, they don't compare it with other industries. Like, how many kindergarten teachers do you think have been asked were you sexually abused as a little girl? It probably doesn't happen that often. Or at least they wouldn't admit it. Right. I mean, I don't know. Uh, That's a good uh, observation, but I would imagine that if a teacher was in the adult film industry, she wouldn't want anyone to know about no, it. No, but what right? I'm saying is you don't go up to a regular teacher and say, were no. you sexually abused as a kid? Because we're taking a survey on women in the education industry and we want to know their history with sexual assault. Oh, right, right. So well, you, you, mean, you focus on one well, then, industry and then you can't compare it to But others. then what about the women who prey on young men, <clears throat> um, young male students that, you know, now we're seeing a rise in that. So what about the... A little too late for me. We're not talking about you. Okay, go ahead. I'm talking about the young, the, the young female teachers that have preyed on their young male students. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that they would have something, maybe a history of sexual abuse and they're, um, taking that abuse and they're, um, abusing other, other students. Yeah. And even so, with uh, young female teachers and young female students, we don't know. I don't know what the statistics are, but it does happen to young girls too. Absolutely. So you kind of have to wonder: Well, what are the statistics with those female teachers that prey on young men and young women? And how do we break the cycle? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, because it's a it's a terrible, terrible. Um, uh, atrocity that's happening. Absolutely. I know if I was 15 years old and a 40 year old hot teacher had her way with me, I would just be crying and I'd never get over oh, it. Oh, come on. No, no, I, I, I do make light of it, but you are correct. Yeah. I think it's just as a, a female teacher is just as guilty as a male teacher, in my opinion. No, that I do agree with you on that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I'm yes. glad we, I'm glad we, um, we are. Um, solid on this. Yes, 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 yes. Well, yeah, because it's. I I don't like abuse of power, and I think that's the um, ultimate abuse of power when it comes to education. I hate when people abuse their power. I do too. Yes. Anyway, okay. So, uh, I told you the thing that I was thinking about talking about the other day. 
That's fine. And I got the heads up from J-Lo that it's okay to mention. Because, yeah. We're not going to say any names. No. If you don't know, uh, Alana gets triggered by a lot of stuff, but names trigger me. So. (laughs) I think the wrong word is triggered, but whatever. Go on. Okay. I use an app called Clubhouse. And Alana knows this. Mm -hmm. Great app. So, occasionally... I'll talk to this girl from my past. And we, so a clarification, me and this girl never dated or anything like that. Right. And a couple of weeks ago, I think to myself, well, maybe I should go and friend her, you know, why not? So I friend her. It's all good. Now she is good friends with an ex of mine. And me and this girl had a very intense relationship and intense breakup. So, drama all around. <laughs> drama all around. And it would be cool to say, oh, man, she's so toxic. But if we're being for real, I think we're both toxic for each other. Mm. Right? And it's just the way some people are. Some people are great for a little while, but then things get a little bit tricky. Uh-huh. It's a part of life. Uh-huh. So anyways, she friends me on Facebook. And we start texting with each other. On Monday of this week, five days ago, we had a a deep maybe is a strong word because it's over text. But we had as deep as I feel I could go over a text on Facebook conversation about our breakup. And it was, I'm still processing it. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting. Um, And it's something that has... I, I, I've been thinking about this experience a lot this week. How do you feel about it? Well, I asked you, I said, well, don't you feel like you have closure with her because of how it ended and, you know, all this stuff. And, and you said, I thought you said you thought you did, but then it came up again because she brought it up. Yeah. And I want to say it's not, that's not accusatory. It's just that I thought we were never going to talk to each other. And an issue I have with people that I've been working on, and I think you know about it, is I run very hot and cold with people, mm-hmm. right? So I'm very intense when I'm around people. And it's not just in romantic relationships. It's also with friendships. But then if I don't see that person for a while, it's easy for me to shut them out of my life. And 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 I, and I think that a lot of people have uh a natural inclination to do that and by the way that's not healthy i'm just telling you that is what it is sometimes it's like oh i haven't talked to them okay then that means i won't talk to them ever Mm -hmm. you know or i won't uh you know and 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 for good reason not just because oh um we haven't talked in a long time but for good reason that they're out of my life yeah so me and this girl hadn't talked for almost 20 years when she reached out to me it was very interesting to question some of my misperceptions about the past or my perceptions she has her view of what happened i have my view they don't coincide completely and that's fine it's mm-hmm. been 20 years i could be remembering some things wrong she could be and the reality is we'll probably never know i'll just have yeah. my version of events she will of hers yeah um but it was it was it's it's been a bizarre look into my past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, 
I was thinking about um, when we were talking about exes. Mm-hmm. We talked about exes earlier, and I said, I really don't want to meet any of your exes, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> and I was explaining to you, I was explaining to Rick that girls think about stuff like, oh, uh, my ex is uh, with some girl and she's probably really fat and ugly. By the way, I just want to clarify something. And I know that you didn't mean to imply this. Yes. But just so it's it's on the level. Um, as of right now, there are no plans to do a double date with the ex that I was in communication with over Facebook. That would be very awkward for me. Yeah. I would be like, I want to go home now. <laughs> and part of me would think, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> but go ahead. But what I was saying is, I said, I I don't want to meet any of your exes, number one, um, of how awkward it is, and they would probably want to um, make my life uh, a nightmare after that, because I I have this idea that one of them is going to want to seek revenge on on Rick, and in the process, trying to destroy me, and I'm I'm just like, I don't want (laughs) to... No, I think about that stuff. Um, And... And 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 the same thing with I, I I wouldn't want you to meet any of my exes because there's no reason to, um, especially the one that I broke up with, um, which will not be named, but because I broke up with this person, I hurt this person, and, um, you know you're you're the guy that that was was there after, mm-hmm. um, I would not want to make it awkward. For any of us, um, but I mean, I, I, but but I think about that stuff. Yes, and more so with the girls, not with. Um, well, uh, okay, okay. I guess it's both. It, it's both with the uh, with the girls, your exes, and my exes. I would not want to meet yours, and I would not want you to meet mine. <laughs> so I doubt that any of my exes want to seek revenge on you. <laughs> no, but I just think about that, you know. Uh, now, if they did, that would be horrible, and it would also be a sign I was really good at bed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Why does it always have to be about a bed? <sighs> wow. Wow. Okay. Or really good on the couch. Ah! Or in the kitchen. All right, all right, babe. Tickle wool. Oh, tickle wool. Oh, tickle wool. <laughs> So I had this thought and I shared, I shared it with you this morning of it might be interesting at some point in the future to meet up with this person for coffee and have a real mature conversation about everything concerning our relationship how it fell apart, how it affected the rest of our lives, and who we are as people today. I just don't see the point in it anymore. Yeah. And you know why I don't see the point in it anymore? Because it sounds to me like she is happy with her relationship. Yeah. And I would hope that you're happy with with me. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I, I just, I just feel now as an, uh, as a grown adult now, that um, as I've matured and thought about relationships, there are relationships that will never have full closure. Yeah. Even like, I mean, I'm sure there were guys in my life that had unfinished business business with me, whether they were with me or not. Mm-hmm. And they may not ever have that. That's right. And yes. I may not ever have closure with that either. But 
even if there isn't any closure, that's closure enough nice. for me. And I'm just like, I have to move on. Nice, nice. And there, I'm sure that there are that there were there were guys in my life that could not move on because nothing ever happened. Uh, nothing ever happened with them and you, me. You know what I keep thinking about, babes, and not yeah. just this week, but I've actually been thinking about it a lot in relations not to uh, all of my exes, right? Yeah. Is, um, I know everything goes back to Star Trek, but the first episode of DS9, Emissary, where the prophets from the wormhole take Ben Ben Sisko back to where Jennifer died. And he's like, this was my past, but this is part of it. And they're like, well, why do you still live here? Right. You know? Right. And I think that there are some people that have not had closure with us. We don't have to name them. Mm -hmm. They're still living in that part of their past they don't want to leave it because if they leave it that probably means that they're going to forget us altogether, right yeah like okay well if i leave that part of my life that means that all the memories i've had of this person are going to be gone or that i can't think back but that's not really the case because it just becomes a part of you and you also learn from it right so there have been times when i've been in relationships and i've done stupid things Mm -hmm. Does that mean that I need to contact that person and be like, oh, I'm sorry? Yeah. Well, maybe, depending on the situation. Yeah. But what it could also mean is you take that lesson and use it as a, an excuse to be nicer to the people who are in your life going forward. And I think and- that you also use those lessons that you learn to um, – or, or rather use the incidents or incidences to teach you about um, – well, what did I learn from this? Yeah. Not so much, you know, I mean, also how to treat other people in, in, um, in the future going forward, but what did I learn from this about myself or about them or what I want in a relationship? And you also don't want to be so closed off right. that if somebody reaches out to you over Facebook, you just completely say, no, I'm not right. responding to them. A friend of right. mine. Mm-hmm once told me, and I may have said this here, but I'm going to say it again. She noticed that I'm very good at cutting people out of my life. Mm -hmm. And she told me this in 2007, a year after I was spanked. Did you have to mention that? I did. Why? Because I I signed a contract. I legally have to mention that. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I don't believe you. Okay. We never talked about it. All right. Let me get my story, babes. Okay. And she said, well, you know, Rick, you build walls to keep yourself protected. And she's like, I understand. You need to keep yourself. There are people out there who are bad to have in your life. Mm-hmm. But instead of building walls, what if you just locked doors? Mm-hmm. And it's a metaphor. But basically what it means is you can still be a little bit guarded without being so protective of yourself that you don't let anybody in to let, to let know the real you. Well, and, and she has a point because... If somebody is out of your life, it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be out of your life forever. Sometimes people come back and they it's a different kind of relationship. And it's also, too, there's being out of your life, but then it's how does it affect you going forward with letting other people in? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and yes, we're talking about romantic relationships, but we could easily be referring to friendships. Oh, friendships for sure. Right? Yeah. So there are people in my life, both romantic and plutonic, you know, 
who they're out of my life, but they're not out of my heart. So I wish them the best. I hope that they're doing good in life. And I understand that it doesn't make sense for us to continue on this journey together. And some people will earn places in our hearts. Yes. Um, you know, and that cannot go away. Some people will always earn places in our hearts. Some people will not. But you, you are right. I think you're right about that. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so I've earned a place in your bed. Have I earned oh, a Oh, my goodness. Hold on. And We're this is fiction. We're not talking about my bed. Hold on. This is fiction, babes. Everybody knows we act on this. Oh, my goodness. We haven't said goodness. anything true on this. Have I earned a place in your heart? Of course you have. Okay, good. Without mentioning, without mentioning any beds or anything. Why does it always have to go back to the beds with you? I don't know, babes. Or bed. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Oh. I'm, 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 I'm your child. Hey. <laughs> I love you, babes. Mm. All right, now give me a kiss. No. Yeah, because you want one. No. Yeah, you want one. Well, you... Uh, so, so wait a second. Hold though. on, there... no, you got to give me a kiss, and then I'll answer any questions you want. Oh, fine. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, like, reluctant. <laughs> well, wait a second, though. Yes. You said in some ways that you're more serious than me. How is that? I don't take myself seriously, but when I have a project, whether it's cooking or an artistic endeavor like writing a poem, mm -hmm. I feel like I can sit down and focus on the work at hand. I see. And I also think that <laughs> this is going to sound so immature. Yeah. I take my movie watching, I take I take my entertainment consumption pretty seriously. And I don't. <laughs> well, it. <laughs> It doesn't mean that I don't like to just chill and watch a good comedy mm -hmm. or have an edible and listen to some good music, but I feel that my arc, I don't want to phrase this, I believe that I'm conscious of the entertainment I put into my system. So, yes, I can watch, I don't know, Animal House, mm -hmm. but... I also want to watch an art film once in a while. Uh -huh. True, I love Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. And I think a mortal technique is great. Mm -hmm. That said, sometimes you want to listen to some Johnny Cash. Right. You know, it's it's a, a lot of it is variety. So I'll give you another example from your life. You had told me that before we started really watching TV together – you would watch comedies and true crime shows, but you didn't really watch dramas. And to me, yeah. I find that a little bit weird because I love comedies. Seinfeld's great. Yeah. But does that mean that I can't watch The Wire just because it's a drama? No, I just I think it's because dramas. I mean, I, I like watching dramas on occasion, but it's not really like it's not really my thing. It's not that I never want to watch dramas or I don't like them. It's just, it's not really my thing. Sometimes I think they get too heavy. And that's, that's why I think you need both. Okay. And I'm, I'm good at balancing my artistic diet. Okay. Yes, but that came with a lot of work. 
Okay. Yes. And I also practice music more than you do, even though I'm not that great on the guitar and you remind me of it all the time. Oh my goodness. Like, oh, Bobby, uh, yeah, it's a B minor chord, yes, you will be a B minor seven. I can't really give you any advice on guitar chords because I don't, I'm not familiar with guitar chords. Thank you, and I'm going to lie down. Keep I'm, I'm familiar with piano chords. Yeah. Uh, because they're they're like out there and stuff. Um, they're they're just right in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and also because they have uh, a little bit of a background in piano, so I'm familiar with those chords. But I'm not familiar with like the um, the nine chords, the thirteen chords. It's a little bit something that I'm not aware of. Good, good. But um, and and because my instrument is not chordal either. Yes. You know, I, I can only play arpeggios, which uh, to uh, those of you who don't know what those are, they're broken chords. Most people, no, actually, maybe most people don't know that. Well, I mean, if you're not like, if you didn't seriously study music or, or music terminology, arpeggio, an arpeggio, an arpeggio is a broken chord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mine is not, my instrument is not chordal. Nice. But, yes. Well. I'm glad you like my instrument. Oh, but wow. But I'm punch. Yes. Elena? What? Okay, what? We watched another episode of The Boys. Oh, yesterday. yes, we did. It was quite intense, I have to say. Okay, I'll give a very brief recap so we can discuss it in more detail. Mm -hmm. Starts off. Butcher decides that he wants to take Huey out. <gasps> they go to this, like, superhero recovering meeting where people are talking about their experiences dealing with superheroes. This one lady's spine was broken. Um, so one of the I think it's the same guy who works for Vought as a press guy, talked about dating the Ice Princess. Oh, Okay. And he was a he was a mortal human. Yes, and she broke his his penis off. Ouch! Butcher gets really mad and leaves. Eventually, hewing him are on a bench, and Butcher says, "Homelando raped my wife Becca," and she was always around the house humming music from the Spice Girls. Yep, and she was happy. Yep, and then he's like, "She was here on this bench for three hours, stand up and left," and she, he says. Either Homelander killed her or she killed herself. Same difference. Yeah, yeah. It's like, now we have something in common. You and Robin and me and Becca. Yeah. I love that scene. It was very sad. It was very sad. Yeah. The rest of the crew is trying to figure out what's going on with Kamoko. Kamiko. Kamiko. Yeah. We don't know her name at the beginning of the episode. They go to the mesmerizer who was a famous superhero as a little kid because he can touch you and know your thoughts. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. M.M. cuts a deal with him. He says, listen, I have some friends in child services. You have a daughter who doesn't want, who you haven't seen in like three years. Mm -hmm. I can get you an hour each month with her supervised if you get off of drugs and help us with Kamiko. Mm -hmm. So he does. Now, meanwhile, what's going on with the seven is Starlight had set a belief fest that she was sexually harassed and they know it's from the deep. So she goes into Madeline's office and basically says, listen, I'm not wearing this skimpy little outfit anymore. I'm a nice conservative Christian, which, you know, I can appreciate me, Rick. 
Well, she never said it that way. She just said, I'm not going to follow your rules. That was the implication. And and she also said that, um, and and then she had that run in with uh, the PR person. Yep. And she says, you know, and yeah, you could fire me, but how's it going to look if you fire an employee right after they came out and said that they were sexually harassed? Exactly. So Madeline talks to the deep, says, hey, we're taking you off the server for a while, <laughs> and you're going to shoot an apology video for Starlight. And you're going to stay, uh, where, where, there, what did she say, uh, he was going to stay somewhere else? Yeah, they're transferring him out of state. I forgot where. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Queen Maeve. Homelander and A-Train are shooting these propaganda videos for Vaughn. And they're very, like, cheap and silly. The most (laughs) memorable thing (coughs) is at one point, Homelander gets upset because they're shooting in a fake house. And the story that Vaughn has put out to the press is that Homelander grew up in this place. So he has to make up these stories about his mom and playing Little League. Which never, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, one other scene from this episode I love. Actually, there's a couple, but I'll mention one for now. Your girl Starlight goes into the elevator and Maeve is there. And she starts talking about, you know, you're doing really good in the polls. Everywhere I go now, people say, what are you doing to support Starlight? Mm-hmm. And the elevator is getting there at stop. And Starlight turns to Queen Maeve and says, when I was a little girl, I read your autobiography so many times that I had to replace it because the pages broke off. The government yeah, yeah, broke off, yeah. he says. And I love that story about when you rescued that bus of school kids and your arm broke. Yeah. But you went to each kid's physical therapy just to show the world that they were superheroes too. And then mm-hmm. the ghosts are stopping. She says, and now... I'm pretty sure that's something that the PR people came up with. Right, and right. Then, perfect mic drop moment. Your girl leaves the elevator and the door closes on Queen Maeve. <laughs> oh, I like her already. Yes. I think she's... I, I, love, I, I, I love her character because she's standing up for something and it, isn't, it doesn't seem like it's fake. Mm-hmm. Like she really... The way that she's portraying it, I don't know. I don't know how the actress. Um, can I mention her name? Yeah, she's on uh, TV. Erin Moriarty. I don't know how. I I would imagine she loves this character too. I would she hope probably so. didn't. She probably hasn't played a character like her. But I I like how Starlight. I like her attitude because she's like, you know what? I don't have to put up with any of this. I I want to go and do what I feel is right because I think you guys are all corrupt. And I and I, I I really like how she's really standing up to the the bullies of Vought. I think she's awesome. I think she's great. Yeah, I think it. I, and and then, and then she flies. You know, she blinds people with her eyes. Right? Oh, oh, that part in the episode where she says, "When I was born, my doc, my mom said I almost blinded the doctor." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was funny. Yes, yeah, that's that's great. What does that scene, or this episode, or even the show itself, teach us about propaganda and questioning the narrative that we're fed in life? Well, like like we've always talked about, when um, when we get older, it's good to learn how to think critically and to question things. Mm-hmm. Um, figuring out what you 
what what are the signs that something is propaganda and what isn't propaganda and choosing what you want to listen to or who you want to watch and not telling not letting anybody tell you what to think or how to feel or 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 vice versa and i think that um that starlight is a perfect example of saying i'm really tired of it you know you you think you could you think you could um really break me down but i'm going to i'm going to stand up against you what does this episode teach us about how pain can drive somebody to revenge well i think and i think i've mentioned this before there are people that have not been able to deal with their pain mm-hmm. and the only way they can deal with their pain is to get even with every kind of person in that one category even though it was one person that really really hurt them right yeah they have to get rid of every kind of person in this case every part of the superheroes every seven, every person in the seven without realizing wait a minute some people are not like that and i think that uh, butcher hopefully i mean i don't know because you watched it but butcher uh learns that mm. that not everybody is out to um not everybody is out to get him he was a superhero yes yes not every super uh not even not every superhero is a bad superhero Nice. Yeah. Well, babe, I just want to say you are the real hero. No, you are. (laughs) I love it when Homelander does that like condescending thing of saying that to people. Oh, I just want to say you guys are the real heroes. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. It does sound very condescending. Yes. By the way, I have to mention we saw a a short uh, clip of an interview. Well, it wasn't, we didn't watch the whole thing. No. Of um, Anthony Starr, right? Who plays Homelander and, and Elizabeth Shue. We didn't know that Anthony... Well, I know for sure. I didn't know that Anthony Starr was British. I just found that out like a week ago. Wow. Yes. And you said you saw uh, an interview, a clip of an interview with um, Carl Irvin, who is Butcher. Yes. And you said that he was nothing like Butcher. He seemed a lot more low-key and chill taller. than Butcher. And I was... Listen, I'm an adult. I know that they play characters, but part of me was hoping that he would flip the interviewer out or call him a cunt or do something weird like that, even though I know that that's unlikely, you know. You think that, I mean, sometimes I'm like, well, geez, are they really like that in real life? But chances are they're not. No. Chances are they're not at all. So there are some, there are a few occasions where actors and actresses will say, I really relate to this character, but usually they don't, they're not, they're not that way in real life and they just portraying character but they're great on the show the characters are amazing yes they are yes and i like what elizabeth shoe said that that she likes her character madeline because she's very complicated and and she said it's not the usual character i would really i would play Mm -hmm. and i thought that's that's definitely true because she's really good at it and it's like you love to hate her but she's so good at being evil yes She's so good. She's a character you love to hate for good reason. But you probably would, maybe you would like her in real life, but she just, you love to hate her character. (laughs) They're doing a good job. (laughs) I really like that you are enjoying this show. And then there was a silence. (laughs) 
I didn't know what to comment after. What are your thoughts? Um, it's, well, it's definitely different. I mean, when you told me that the, that it was based on a comic book and that the comic books are a lot, of, a, a lot more crazier than the series, then I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. By the way, I haven't read the graphic novels. This is just what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know it's in your top 10 favorite dramas of all time, but that's only because you don't really watch a lot of dramas. I, I don't I don't make lists. No, but what I'm saying is because you don't watch a lot of dramas, it's immediately high on your list of favorite dramas. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm glad you're enjoying it, babes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Well, you have anything else you want to say about this episode or the show in general? Uh, I don't. I it's. I'm. I'm definitely learning some interesting thing about things about characters and how complex they are. Mm-hmm. Um. How Queen Maeve uh, ran into her ex, and that's very interesting. Her ex is a. You said her ex was her ex was a mortal. Yes. Okay. And she's named Alana, but Queen Queen Maeve, like everybody else, pronounces it Elena. It is Elena. I know. That was my dumb attempt at a joke. Oh, so bad. <laughs> because people are always calling you the wrong name. I know they are. The first name is like Elena or Alana or something. Yes, yes. And then sometimes uh, Rick will say it. Uh, Say, uh, uh, pronounce it wrong just for fun. <laughs> like, Elena? <laughs> Elena? <laughs> what did you think of the last scene of the episode when Huey is in the bar and he's talking to Starlight, then Butcher comes in? I was very surprised. Mm. But, um, and I'm kind of wondering, well, um, when is Starlight going to find out some things that you know, about the wired, you know, the, the, the bug thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm like, I'm just like, is she going to, uh, I mean, obviously her and Huey are beginning a relationship, but is she going to, um, completely not trust Butcher now, or is she going to, um, and I know you're not going to tell me, but I'm just guessing, yeah. you know, is, is she going to completely lose all trust in Huey now? You're going to have to keep watching this. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. But I like, oh, and then I have to mention his, his friend, uh, Anthony. Remember? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to listen by the end of the second season. I think this is the only appearance you see by him. Yeah. So he's but, not, at least so far is not a big part of the show. But the one thing I wanted to say mm-hmm. is when I think he was talking about what Huey was going through. Yeah. And he said, you know, you have to go on with your life. That's what Robin would have wanted you to do or whatever. She, whatever. I'm, I know I'm butchering it. Yeah, I do too. And I'm, and I'm, and I think that that was something um, that the one line that I, I took from what he said. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, good. We also watched some Seinfeld. Oh, so funny. Don't, 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 don't. Do you want to give the recap? Oh, oh, maybe I should talk a little bit about it. Well, part of it was because, <laughs> which is really funny, it was, it was because of, um, uh, they they all go to this party and Elaine is dancing horribly. Yes. And in fact, um, George was telling, or Jerry was telling, uh, was it Kramer or George? One of them. That, oh yeah, when, when, 
when one time, this was years ago, when Elaine and I were together, Elaine did this dance and it was so bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> huh. And she was uh, blaming George uh, as to why people were not talking to her and, and why, you know, George was like, well, George is like this, this parasite. She tells one of the ladies at her office that George is a bad seed. Yeah. And... The girl had blown off George before then, but after this, she comes back to him and they start dating for a little while. Eventually, Elaine pulls her into the office, calls George and said, I just want to apologize. You're a good guy. And George realizes that if we go down this road, the girl is going to break up with me. So he tells Elaine to pick up the phone and she starts saying, why are you being so difficult? He's like, yes, yes. Keep saying that stuff. And then, and then, oh, and there's another part of the story. Um, George had this picture. That's the other episode. We okay, okay, okay. And, and, okay, uh, we'll go on to that in a little bit. But yeah, the, the, that was the one episode that, um, the one about Eileen's dancing. <laughs> and what else happened in that episode? Uh, well, was that the same one where Kramer had to go to work? No, that's, okay. that's the other that episode. That was the other one. Okay. Well, what happened? Um, what part? Jerry got tickets to a movie screening of Death match or point or something like that. Uh, death, death Blow. Yeah. Which sounds like a fun movie. Yeah. Got one, for, uh, another ticket for Jerry's friend who brings a recorder into the movie. Right, right. Puts Jerry in charge of suiting it and then watch him to do other movies. <laughs> <laughs> that was the second um, episode we watched from Seinfeld. Pretty much. That's the first episode we watched. No, was it? Of yesterday. Was it? I don't know. It was an episode. Okay, well, well, the the one that we also watched was about this uh, woman named Jillian. Uh, give a recap of that one. Okay, Elaine sets Jerry up with a woman who has man hands, <laughs> but George is attracted to a girl who works in an office. So yeah. he takes a picture of Jillian minus the hands, uh -huh. goes to the girl, says, "My fiance Susan died," and then he drops the picture of Jillian. She agrees to go out with him, and they go to this place that is a meatpacking plant by day and a haven for models at night. <laughs> so George is in with the cool kids. He decides that he's going to tell the secretary that he doesn't need her anymore when the blow dryer destroys the picture of Julie. Uh, Jillian. By this point, Jerry has broke up with Miss Manhands. But yeah. she's at his place because they just separated, and she goes to wash her hands. George says he needs another picture. Jerry tries to get one from her wallet. She catches him in the axe. <laughs> also in this episode, Elaine broke up with the guy, but still remains friends with him. Kevin. Kevin. And she finds out that his crew is kind of like, you know, the inner circle of the regular Seinfeld gang, except yep. these are nice people who read and go to the opera right. and who are friendly to each other and don't go in each other's fridges. Right. And, and they, and they seem like, and, and she realizes that a couple of them are like Jerry and uh, Kramer. Yes. <laughs> it's a good episode. That was funny. So what do you, like, I don't even go into your fridge and just grab stuff out because the only thing, well, the, the, you do go into my cabinets, which is fine. Cause if you need to buy it, like get a spice, yeah, you know, I appreciate you don't go into my fridge, but you know what I mean? Like I use, and if I do go into your fridge, I, I'll ask you. Yeah. I don't just do that. Don't you think that's a little bit rude of people to, to do? Yes. 
Absolutely. Because when I go to my family's house, I don't get anything from the cabinet or either that or they'll put things out for me. But Mm -hmm. they'll say, oh, if you want some snacks, like my aunt, for example, if you want some snacks, there's snacks in this cabinet or there's fruit here or there. You know, I don't go. No, it's rude. It's so rude. I remember. Oh, my goodness. It's so rude. Before my sister moved, I used to go over to her house fairly uh, recently, fairly often and help out and do stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'd be there when she was gone. Yep. And I'd always text her if I was going to go in her fridge or her cupboards. And she'd always say, you don't even have to bother to ask me. Just go in there if you want something. Uh, but it just feels wrong to I me. I know. I know. Well, when I once I get the okay, right? Mm-hmm. Once I get the okay and they'll say things like, oh, um, if you want some chocolate, for example, you can get as much as you want to. And I always feel weird about it. Yeah. I. But then I realize, well, wait a minute. If they're giving me, and I have to remember, if they're giving me permission to get, you know, some snack, a snack and a drink, then I'll get a snack and a drink, but I won't get, I won't get like the whole entire Yeah, don't thing. overkill. No, no, no. I, I'll get like a, like a bag of chips and, and like a soda or something or mm-hmm. a bag of chips and some water. But that's as far as I'll go. I will not eat them out of the house and home, you know? Well, thank you. I remember when I used to stay at this, uh, with, at this couple's place. Unfortunately, we don't talk anymore. But, hey, no, 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 bubs. You thought I had to pass. Bubs. No, 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 sorry, keep going, bubs. Why do you always have to make it sexual? Because I need to kiss? No. Yeah, because you want to kiss and you want to finish why your do story. You, why? Why? Because you want to kiss, and that'll help you finish your story about the couple's house. No. So, yeah, give me a kiss. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, give me a kiss. No. Yeah, give me a kiss. No, you yeah. just saw me. Sorry, give me a kiss. I don't believe you. Well, I don't believe you, so give me a kiss, and then I'll hear your story about the couple. No. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I don't believe you. All right, I'm sorry, give me a kiss. No. You want one too, babes? I do? Yeah. You say sorry and mean it. Sorry and mean it. Now give me a kiss. Oh. No, you want to kiss, babes? Say sorry. Sorry. All right, now give me a kiss. Say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now give me a kiss. <sighs> Are you uh, really sorry? Get back to your story, babes. Ah! <laughs> I got it. Oh, tickle war? Tickle war. Back to your story. Okay. But um, there were times where they would have to be gone during the day because um, his, my friend at the time, his wife um, sometimes would um, have some health problems. Yeah. And there were times where they had to go to the hospital. And he'll say, okay, um, this stuff, like there's the cabinet, the, there's stuff in this cabinet, there's some soup if you want to have some soup, and then there's this and this and this. And he would be very, very hyper. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Um, but even so, like, even though there was a few things that I could have, I still wouldn't, like, go all ransack through the house. Uh, yeah. Ransack the house and have, like, a whole thing of snacks and 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 other stuff at a table and just not give anything to anybody. Like, yeah, be kind of cool. About but it. so so yeah, I I always thought it was so rude to do that. Mm-hmm. I did. I never thought it was good to just go into somebody's cupboards or if you know go into someone's cupboards or go into somebody's refrigerator. But if I got the okay, I would also move with caution. Nice. Proceed with caution. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it, I, I think it's extremely rude. Yes. I also thought it was weird when you told me a story about 
your friend admitting to you that when people would come to his house, they would go immediately to the fridge. Yeah, so my friend thought it was odd. I used to go over to his house almost every Saturday night because him and his wife were really into playing canasta. And also my friend was a really good musician, so he'd be playing live music. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> but that was back when I lived in St. John's, and we both moved away around the same time. Mm -hmm. He thought it was very strange that whenever I would come over to his house, instead of going to the fridge, I'd talk to people. I'd see how his wife was doing. I'd ask about him. And he said when most people go to his place, they just immediately go to the fridge or to the bathroom or something like that. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah, because even when I go to my family's house, uh, my aunt and uncle, I I usually wait for one of them to offer something to me. I never... Go to the fridge. Exactly. Never do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree, babes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, even with family, I was always taught you just don't go into somebody's stuff. No. Yeah, it's just rude. Rude. Well, you were taught well, Bubby. Thank you there. J-Woo! I mean, I mean, you must have been taught well. It's like, don't, don't just take people's stuff. No. Yes. Be good. I showed you... An episode of DS9 called Whispers. Oh, yeah. He's very good. I won't give... I'll just give a very, like, couple-sentence recap. Okay. This is the episode where Chief O'Brien returns to the station after meeting a new civilization. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that something's wrong with everybody else. So, eventually, he steals a runabout, goes back to the planet where he was just at. And is killed. And what we discover was this was a replicant of Chief O'Brien. Mm -hmm. The real one was thought missing, but they found him and he's safe. And this one had all of Chief, Chief O'Brien's memories. But they think that something was implanted in his head that would have gone off during a peace treaty and made him assassinate somebody. And the mm -hmm. Federation only found out about this because they caught some informant. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy this episode a lot. And when you're watching it, you really do think that Chief O'Brien is going to solve a mystery at the end of this Absolutely. why Everybody's acting strange to Yeah. Him. What was your thoughts of watching this episode? For I the first time? thought, okay, I don't really want to give too much away yeah. because it's such a crazy ending. Mm -hmm. I thought that we were watching a real story unfold. You mean that he was going to discover there was a disease yes. or something to that nature? Yes, mystery. yes. Yeah. With the, with the uh, Prada, what is it? Prada. Uh, I think they're the Paradas or something. Paradas 2 or whatever. Yeah. Parada 2 or whatever it was. Because something was wrong with the Paradas or whatever. I don't even know what those are. Um, and the computer saying, telling him access denied. Yeah. It's like, what? What do you mean access denied? And so he was trying to figure this out and... He also, um, you know, when, when he, so there was a scene where, where his wife Keiko makes some stew and says that, oh, wait a minute, you don't like this stew. It's like, well, I made it for you. And they're just looking at each other. And then he, he says in his log that he's like, this was not my Keiko. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, something is really going on. Yeah. And, and she was quick to take, um, their daughter Molly out the door and said, you know what, um, I'm going to take her to school this time. At 5.30 in the morning. At 5.30 in the morning. He's like, oh, we got to, uh... And, and then with Jake, 
he was talking to Jake and said, well, I'm sorry about your grades. He's like, oh, no, no, my grades are great. I just want to keep them that way. Yes. Because <laughs> he was supposed to help him with the science experiment. Yes. And so I'm thinking, oh, he's going to solve this mystery. But I didn't think it was going to end like that. And when they were saying, we won't hurt you. We mean you no harm, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, whoa. So how did you feel when you finally did figure out the twist? That was crazy. It was really clever how they did that. Yeah. Uh-oh. No, it's in the basket. Oh, nice. Not a box. Okay. And um, how um, Jake was was telling everybody that he was he was there. He, yeah. He was arriving. I'm like, why is he saying that? So I was like, <clears throat> that's crazy. I think that's when Chief O'Brien is trying to run away <laughs> and he sees Jake. Yes. And Jake says, go with them. They won't hurt you. And he contacts everybody. He right. opens a comm signal. Just, just surrender yourself to them. They won't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when Kira is like, don't, you know, put your weapon down. We're not going to hurt you. And, uh, and, and even uh, Cisco was saying, don't do that. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I was like, wow. This is why Star Trek wow. was such a great franchise back in the day, because it has episodes with these twists that really make you question things. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very good. Very good, Jay. Whoa. Yes. We had dinner. We did. Um while listening to Honey Honey. Yeah, he he's I call him my sandwich maker because he made some great sandwiches. Thank you, babes. And uh we had a good time and we listened to Honey Honey, but we also listened to a little bit of uh Billy Joe Royal. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of covers, but <clears throat> I think for the most I I like his old stuff better, honestly. But He's nice. unfortunately he's gone now. And then we watched some movies. Yes. yes. Oh yes. We started with Cool Hand Luke. Yes. And followed up with The Days of Wine and Roses. Yes. Both really good movies, but I would give a slight edge to the Days of Wine and Roses. Absolutely. Do you want me to do the recap of Cool Hand Luke? Yes. And then you take the second film? Yes. It starts off Paul Newman is Breaking locks. And this is the South. I forget where. He's captured. His name is Lucas. And he's sent to a minimum security (laughs) prison. His sentence is two years. The person who runs the prison has everybody call him captain. Mm -hmm. And by looking at Luke's records, he knows that this guy was a decorated war hero. Okay. At first, things are going good. George Kennedy is a little unreceptive at first towards Luke. Mm-hmm. And there's a few conflicts there. Eventually, he says, we're going to have to fight this out. On Saturdays, it's kind of loose, and they're allowed to get into boxing matches. Luke loses the boxing match, but then they become close friends. And George Kennedy's character's name is... Rand- uh, drag something. Drag. I, we're I gonna can't sp- remember. We'll just call him Drag. Yeah. I think after this fight, Drag <clears throat> respects Luke for standing his ground, even though he lost. Mm-hmm. As a result, they become pretty good friends. There is a gross scene in this movie <laughs> where Paul Newman says, I can eat 50 eggs in an hour. Now, as much as I, I mean, I know that you don't like eggs, but I no. like eggs. I think I would get sick of somebody if I actually saw someone eat. 50 things of eggs. 50 eggs. I I couldn't do it. I hear you. 
I can eat as much as two eggs, but I couldn't eat 50 eggs. I would be very, very sick. Two isn't that much, babes. Well, I guess it I know. is. Well, no, it's not. It, I mean, it's not. It's just a regular um, meal. But for me, for, for eggs. And occasionally I have an omelet. But that's besides the point. I can't eat 50 eggs. That's just too much. <laughs> Things are okay for Luke. Until his mother dies. Yep. He decides that he's going to escape the prison. And the captain is understanding. He says, listen, I understand this is a unique situation. We still need to punish you. We're going to send you in the box, which is, I guess, what this person's prison of the whole is. Yeah. For a night. And we're going to chain one of your legs for a couple of days. And then after that, we're cool. Mm-hmm. Luke breaks out again. He's gone for a few hours. Actually, no, he's gone for a couple of days this time. And one of the bloodhounds dies trying to catch him. Yes. So they're upset. Yeah. They catch him and they put two chains on his legs, on each of his legs this time. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, we need to be a little bit more strict with you. We still love you, but these are the consequences. Somehow, Luke breaks out a third time. And he goes up to these little kids. They get an axe. He also asks another little kid to get him some peppers. And that's what he uses to throw the dog off of his scent. Now, he's gone for a while to the point where he even sends Drag a picture of Luke with these two girls. So every Luke is now a legend inside this prison. Mm-hmm. Until they catch him. Bring him back. And now, excuse me, the captain and the overseers are intent to break Luke. He's working extra hard. He barely has an appetite to eat. At one point, this scene is really disturbing. They tell Luke that when he was shoveling, he put dirt into a a ditch Mm -hmm. and it's not supposed to be there. So he shovels it out and then somebody says it's not supposed to be in this garden. Mm -hmm. So they're just mentally torturing him until he says, I'm broken. I'll do whatever you want to. Yeah. And he's he's crying. Yes. Yeah. They say, okay, if you're really broken. Yeah. And now he's like their pet. They let him go to the car. They let him get things. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm assuming at this point, Drag is just assuming that Luke has lost it mentally. Oh, yeah. Because I, he just seems so happy to please the overseas. Yeah, and they're so um, he's so broken down now that it, you know. But Luke has taken this opportunity and gotten all the keys for the cars. Mm-hmm. So one Smart day, man. the chain gang is out doing their thing. Luke... Goes into the car to start breaking up this. I think it's a turtle for lunch for everybody. He oh, tur- yeah, that's right. He turns the car on and starts driving away. Drag chases after, jumps into it, and they go to freedom mm-hmm. for a while. Eventually, they decide to go their own separate ways. Luke enters the church, starts talking to God. Drag comes in and says, they're out there, Luke. Yeah. They say we've only been gone for a couple hours. Yeah. And if we go back, nothing needs to change. Yeah. Luke knows that this is a lie. Yeah. 
There's some conflicts and eventually a shootout. Luke is hurt. And the captain says, we're not, he doesn't say it like this, but it's, the point comes across, we're not going to take him to the hospital that's like 10 minutes away. We're taking him to the prison hospital that's like an hour away. Wow. He dies. On the way there. And the movie ends with Drag telling the story about how Luke died a hero. He smiled that smile that we know him for. And they show clips earlier in the movie. It's like a montage of him smiling. Yeah. Yeah, and it ends with a picture of Luke with the two ladies. So it was implied that he died on the way to the prison hospital, is that right? Yes. Okay. Wow. Oh, yeah. I saw this movie once before in high school. Now, full disclosure, even though I'm a a good Christian man. Oh, my goodness. There is a possibility that perhaps... You weren't sober then. I may have uh, smoked a joint before watching the movie. Yeah, you weren't sober. There's a possibility of that, babes. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's true. It was. But it probably was. I knew it. Oh. So, it, in some ways, it felt like seeing this movie for the first time. Oh, well. I thought this was a really good film. Yes. Strong performances all around. Oh, yeah. And it really speaks to how the system breaks people down. Absolutely. I'm wondering your take. Did you like this movie? What stood out to you? Um, well, I wasn't too sure about the captain. I thought, I mean, the captain was, you know, he did say I could be nice. I could, or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't phrase it, but. Um, Basically, I could be uh, nice to you or I could be mean and the decision right. is yours. Yeah, exactly. Um. And so, and then he was supposed to learn all the rules, you know, the, the, what the bells mean when, uh, what you had to do to get yourself into the box and all that. Um, I, I wasn't too sure about the relationship with Drag and Luke. Um, because, uh, you know, Drag wasn't exactly on, uh, you know, he called, he used to call him Lucas War Hero, right? Yeah. And the the way that he became Cool Hand Luke was because of the cards, the card game. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, uh, I, I guess it seemed like over the course of the movie that Drag became uh, a little bit more attached to Luke. Right. Because he learned to respect him. Yeah. The boxing match is what switched it for him. Right. Because, um, and Luke fell, fell during that match. He fell a bunch of times, yeah. but Drag... I think really respect the fact that even though Luke lost, he stood his ground. Yep. And he came to fight. Yep. And Drag noticed that and and really took a liking to him afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh yeah, that's what that's what he did. So so I mean um I mean after a while for sure I didn't like the captain. I remember that one scene, that intense scene when um drag pretty much attack the captain oh yeah at the end of the movie yeah i forgot about that right remember yes yes i think this is after uh luke was shot yes yeah yeah so one of the villains what would you give this movie on the scale from one to um ten? i would give it an eight i would too maybe an eight and a half the acting was really good in fact george kennedy won an oscar which I didn't know until last night when we wow. asked Miss A, Miss A about it. What does this film say 
about the system and how it breaks down people? Um, well, I don't know how the prison, the prison system is, but I would imagine that's what, what, what goes on in there. I could make the argument that in this movie, prison is just a metaphor and the system could refer to that, but it could also be the system of life. So how a job breaks you down, you know, you go to work at a company and let's say you have a cool boss, but he still wants you to follow the rules. Yes. And if you don't, if you get out of line too much, you're, you're going to lose for- your, yeah, you're losing uh, certain privileges and instead of death, you could lose not only your job, but your good name in that industry, whatever industry it right. is. Well, I was, I mean, this was a prison movie, but also the Shawshank Redemption was. And I was thinking about how we talked about people being in prison for 50 plus years. Yes. And how those four, four walls, as terrible as the prison system is, prison, prison system is, those four walls have protected them for 50 years. And they thought they weren't going to get out. And how that man got out of prison, but he didn't know how to handle it. And he ended up killing himself. Yeah. And so that, in some ways, that prison broke some people down. You want to hear something interesting, babes? One, I think these would be two good films to watch together. Mm -hmm. Cool Hand Luke followed by Shawshank. But also, the class where I saw Cool Hand Luke is also the same one where I saw Shawshank for the first time. Okay. There's you're less like okay yeah like you don't find that at all interesting no 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 I do I would just my my um my response was um (laughs) (laughs) not as exciting oh great there we go (laughs) great that's wonderful bub oh nice (laughs) (laughs) instead of okay (laughs) but I was just listening to you that's why I was saying okay nice I thought about Shawshank a lot when we were watching this movie last night ah. And I just thought about it now, mm-hmm. the similarities. The Shawshank Redemption was a little harder, obviously very harder, than Cool Hand Luke. But there are things to take away from it for both of those prisons. Yes. Um, and also, that prison was a high-security prison, is that right? Because Andy then, Dufresne yes. had been on trial for killing his wife. Oh, right. Um I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> and then Cool Hand Luke. I mean, Luke was not a violent criminal, and he only had two years at in the that beginning. Prison. Yeah. yeah. What does Luke teach us about living life on your own terms, despite your limitations? Well, I mean, you could even take Luke, um, a different kind of a character, as compared to Starlight, mm-hmm. different kind of character. Both of them standing for different things, but both of them standing their ground and not um, not caving to any rules that they're given because they don't agree with the rules. Is it better, babes? To I don't know. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you. Okay. And leave the jokes to me, please. Hey. To die an old person in bed surrounded by your family or... To go out when you're somewhat young in a blaze of glory when you know that you did your best to live your life to the fullest. I guess there's, I guess there is um, an upside to both of those mm-hmm. scenarios. One isn't worse than the other. I think I'd like to be surrounded by my family when I die 
but there is something to be, say, be said for someone who died young for what they stood for and they knew they 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 did what they felt was right. I think for me, I would like to go out in a blaze of glory if those are my two options. Mm. And have some guy in prison talking about, well, you know, he did that regular Rick smile at the end and he was giving his own middle finger to the system in his own particular way. But that's just me. Okay. Yes. What does drag or drab or drag? Drag. Drag teach us about keeping a legend alive? Mm. I think I, I have the, um, I guess I had the impression that when he really respects someone, he really respects someone mm-hmm. and says, you know, I have to keep their memory alive because that's somebody I respected. And he, he learned to, re- he, to, um, I believe he had love for Luke. Um, he, but he learned to love and respect Luke for the kind of person he was. But he could have just said Luke was shot. Yeah. Instead, he said, yeah, they killed him, but he left with a smile on his face. Yeah. Right. So that's another way of not just saying, oh, my friend was a good guy, but it's building up the image he had in life. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. It was, yeah. What does Luke teach us about feeding into the image that others have of you? What do you mean? I'm specifically thinking of when he sends Drag the picture of him with the two girls. Right. And everybody's like, oh, man, Luke got away. He comes back and they talk to him. Man, tell us about those two girls. I don't know if they watch you now. And then he says, I hired them. Nothing really (laughs) happened. They were just, you know, there and played the part for the picture. This was a joke. Yeah. Hmm. What did you think of that? Well, I thought it was interesting. Like he wasn't afraid to say, "Oh, yeah, it was that was that was fake." Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, "Oh, yeah, those are totally my girls." You know? But he said that after the system had started to wear him down again. Right, true. He could have said that just because they wore him down and said, "Okay, well, I'm I'm going to die anyway. I might as well just admit it." Do we need to perpetuate our own myths? Does Luke teach us that through this? Well. Aspect of the myth. I mean, perpetuate, you mean like live by a myth? Live yeah, a like, myth? do yeah, in, in some ways, do we need to, to give others what they need to believe the myth? So Luke could have just left and not written them anything, mm-hmm. and the myth still would have been strong because it was like his second or third time breaking away. But instead of just doing that, he sends a picture of him in a suit next to two beautiful women. <laughs> I don't know. Um... Well, you know how some people in life, there are people that are real and there are people that are just playing a game. Mm -hmm. I think it's good for the people, I guess, to them, to the people that are playing with other people's emotions and what have you. To them, it's all a game and they're perfectly okay with it. But I don't know. Um, For someone who is real and consistent... With what they do and say, then that's different, I suppose, if that makes any sense. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. I mean, I don't know if I made any sense, but... Oh. Well, I still I love you, babes. I don't know that we have to perpetuate our own myths. Myths. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. It would work for someone who was all about 
scamming people and whatnot. But I could totally see babes if I was a prisoner there and this guy broke away for, you know, another time. It would be so cool. And then on top of that, getting that picture, I would just go wild with like, wow, look at this homeboy. You, you, you would just go on with the joke. Yes. Okay. And some people do that for fun. And that's, that's one thing. But if they do it like all the time to everybody. After watching this movie, we yes. took a break yes. and we're talking with Miss A. Yeah. And she told us that this movie is based on a book, which I didn't even know. I didn't know either. So this morning before you got up. I looked for it. It is not on Bard, mm -hmm. but they do have it on Bookshare. And oh, I think yeah. I'm going to read it. Okay. What are you doing, babes? Oh, I'm just taking the blanket. Oh? My blanket. Yeah. Um, good. I, I hope I hope you enjoy it. I do, too. Yeah. Yes. What would you... Would you recommend this movie to anybody in your family? And if so, what would you say to make them want to see it? Um... If you want to see, uh, uh, this is a movie that I probably show, well, maybe The Shawshank Redemption would be a, one movie I would show to people if they wanted, they didn't want to go to prison. Yeah. But I guess if I really want to get gritty with it, I would show them the scared straight videos. But <laughs> I think Cool Hand Luke, I mean... I would say that this was one of Paul Newman's uh, best movies. I think. A lot of people would agree with you. Yeah, I would say this is this is how Luke was able to uh, to leave, if, even if it meant his life. Yeah, and, and in my mind, it's a prison movie, but it's not really that. Right. Exactly. Like, like it's it's a prison movie, but it's not about prison as much as it's about the way. The world will try and hold you down. Uh-huh. And prison is just where the setting is. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. But um, I think, uh, oh, yeah, I think people in my family would enjoy it. Nice. For sure. Nice. Do you ever talk to your family about the movies we watch together? Like, really discuss them? Like Not really. Mm. I don't know. I, I have not really discussed them. I mean, we don't... I wish we would talk more about movies, but I think with you, it's a different kind of context. Yeah. Because you're really a film buff. I'm not, I studied I'm not, it in school. I'm not really a film buff, but I like watching movies. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't talk about the movies that we um, watch a lot. We don't go really deep with it, like analyzing characters, analyzing the movie plot. Yeah. We just say, oh, that movie was really good. I really enjoyed it. But, or, oh, that movie's really bad. I don't want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But that's about it. That's, just, that's how deep we go. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what I thought, babes, just now? What's that? Is it might be fun to go on a YouTube and find people talking about why they hate films like The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> 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 okay. I don't know. I gave it a chance, but my husband really likes it, and I don't. It's no <laughs> The Man from Earth. No. Oh, it's so bad. I know. Ugh. I know. Can't believe. That's like an hour or so that we can't get back anymore. I watch it <laughs> once a month, my friend says to Yeah, me. right. I don't believe that for a minute. But he did recommend Pump Up the Volume, which is That was amazing. a fun movie. Yes. Yeah. J-Lo. Yes. Yeah. 
we watched a movie with Oscar Madison and Felix Unger. Um, in other words, da-da, da-da, Jack da-da. Jack Lemon and Jack Klugman. Yes, Klugman. it was. The movie is serious, and it's called The Days of Wine and Roses. But I just have to say, as an aside, as a huge Odd Couple fan, it was a kick to see Jack Lemon and Jack Klugman act together. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, because Jack Klugman was Oscar, Jack Lemon was Felix. Yeah, and Jack Lemon was in the movie, and Jack Klugman was on the TV series. So funny. Yeah, so that was... Just a bizarre fun note, but um, that's not what the movie's about. No. So, The Days of Wine and Roses is also a song, and it was a song for the movie, and I sang it in choir, and I thought, that's a beautiful song. Um, Not knowing what the movie was about, and you mentioned that it was about a couple that were two alcoholics. I want to say I had never seen it before, but my mom told me that it was a really good movie a few times and that I should watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, if I remember correctly, it starts off with um, Mr. Um, what's his name? Uh, Joe Clay. Yes. Who works for this? What kind of company does he work for? He's into a PR, make you know, uh, publicity. Right. So he calls public relations. Yes, and he calls this woman. I think her name was Betty, and he says, "Look, we're having a party at this yacht club, and we're looking for a bunch of girls to join us." And we wanted to know if you would be willing to join us because we think that you would be a really good addition to our party. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be at 6.30 p.m. on this date. And at this point, when he's when he's calling her, he's plastered. He's yes. drunk. He can't tell, but he's plastered. He goes to the party and meets this woman thinking that she's Betty, but it's not Betty. Her name is Kirsten. And not cinema. <laughs> no, I think I think I don't know what her if if it's if it's spelled Kristen or Kirsten, but what it doesn't matter. No. Her, this woman's name was Kirsten, and they strike up a conversation and they decide to hang out together. Go on. Kirsten isn't really a drinker. She's more into chocolate. She's not a drinker. But your buddy Joe says, I think you might like some forms of alcohol. So he goes to the bartender, gets, I think, brandy that has alcohol in it. Or that has chocolate in it. Now, yeah, of course. It, it, brandy has alcohol. I'm dyslexic. Oh we, are, we both are. No, I'm not. Okay, let me talk I this. I am not. Tickle? I, oh, you, tickle? I'm not. You say sorry. Sorry, babes. Oh. Yeah, give me a kiss. Tickle twirl. Okay, give me a kiss. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Why? Because you want to kiss. Do I? Yes. I just kissed you five like like a few minutes ago. Well, you get to kiss me again. How lucky are you? Okay. Okay. Thank goodness. So <laughs> he gets her drinking. She starts to enjoy it, and is slowly getting more and more used to alcohol. I'll skip a few things. Yeah. But. Joe slowly starts to get demoted in the company because while people drank a lot back then, Joe was even more of an alcoholic than everybody else. Uh-huh. He and Kirsten eventually get married in the middle of the night, so they go to her dad's house to break the news. 
a weird time of the night. I mean, waking up your uh, body. So if I, I'll tell you this, babes. As you know, I like verisimilitude in my movies. Okay. And when I saw that scene, I was like, this is not real. This would never happen. But, I know. But when you realize that these people are starting to drink more. And they're impulsive. And that they just got married, it started to make more sense to me. Right. And, and they, then I, it was immediately brought back into the reality. Yeah, because I thought, wait a minute, that's just, why did they wake her, why did they wake him up mm-hmm. at midnight? Yeah. And then uh, Joe mentions that they just got married a few hours ago. Exactly. Impulsive. Yes. Eventually, they have a daughter. Debbie. She, yep. Joe comes back from a party. It's implied that Debbie is maybe a month old or something like that. And he gets mad at Kirsten because she's not drinking as much as he is. Mm -hmm. She starts to drink and their life begins to fall apart. Very quickly. Joe says, we need to go to your dad and we need to stop drinking. Maybe he'll help us out. Right. So the three of them move in with the dad. And for the first couple of months, they're sober. They're fine. Joe is now working for Kirsten's dad, and he runs a plant nursery for flowers and all that stuff. Yep. He goes up to the room where him and Kirsten are staying, and he says, I know, babes, we've been doing really good the last couple of months, but maybe we should have a little bit of fun tonight. We'll have another drop. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's two small bottles of alcohol that they drink together. And he says, and by the way, I have a third bottle of alcohol hidden in the nursery. Starts to rain. Fourth pot. I think it's like fourth pot, third table. Yeah. But he doesn't remember this when he's drunk. There's a storm. And he says, I'm going to crawl out the window onto the street and slide down. To myself, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be predictable. He's going to fall and break something. I know. I know. But... By the way, I'm really glad when I make a prediction in a movie and I'm wrong because it shows that it's not lazy. Well, we were both wrong because I thought he was going to do that too. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's stupid. Why is he doing that? Okay. So he goes to the nursery. He ends up tearing it apart because he can't remember where it's at. He finally finds the bottle of alcohol and he drinks until he falls asleep. In the nursery. Yep. The movie flashes ahead, I don't know, maybe a year or a couple of months. It's not really made clear. But he's going through some stuff, and he goes to break into a bar. The bartender pours alcohol on him. We get the sense it's a family-owned bar, Mm -hmm. and he wakes up. He's in a straitjacket. Right. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm flashing ahead. Okay. I'm flashing ahead. Mm -hmm. He wakes up in a straitjacket after the incident with the nursery. Right. And... That's when Oscar comes in, says. Well, he was, yeah, he he came out to help um, Jim Hungerford, not Oscar. Okay. And Felix doesn't want to admit that he's an alcoholic at first. Yeah. But he comes home to his wife and he says, okay, Oscar wants me to go to. No, it's it's Jim, not Oscar. I wanted to see how long I could Joe Joe Clay is, is a. Is Jack Lemon's name. Right. Not, uh... Not, not Oscar. Okay. <laughs> or Felix, rather. Felix Hunger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's going to AA, and now he's been sober for four months. But Joe 
doesn't want to speak, even though Jack Klugman wants him to go on stage that night. Mm -hmm. Eventually he does. Then Joe goes home. His entire house is ransacked. It's implied that he's looking for his wife for a couple of days. Homegirl's name is... Kirsten. Kirsten, that's right. Yeah, Kirsten. She she left. Okay. Jack Klugman comes over to the house. When he's there, Joe gets a phone call that they've tracked Kirsten down. She's in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And she's drunk. Yep. Jack Klugman basically tells him, hey, be very careful. You know, the world's better when you're sober, all she's, this stuff. She's not re- she might resent you yes. even if you're sober. He goes to the hotel. I think it might actually be a bungalow. But it's it, a bung- I think a bungalow in a hotel, yeah. Yes, in any event. Goes in there, and he tries to be nice to her. She really wants him to have a drink, and he relapses. Then he goes on a bender. He ends up back in the mental ward, is released, eventually goes to see his father-in-law. By this time, Kirsten is staying there, but she is having a lot of problems Mm -hmm. going out late night with men, Mm -hmm. different men, and not following any of the rules. Mm-hmm. Joe just says, I know you're upset with me. And he's partially mad because Joe's the one who got her into drinking. And and rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I want to start paying you back this money. And please let Kirsten know if she ever gets sober, she can come back to me and Debbie. Yeah. Goes forward a little ways. Joe is putting Debbie to sleep for the night. Comes out to the living room. And Lee Remick comes to the door, says, I've been sober for two days, and I wanted to face you when I was a little bit uh, more of the universe. She starts talking about how the world doesn't look the same when you're not on alcohol. Yeah. And she wants him and their daughter back in her life, but she doesn't think she can do it. Yeah, and she was, and she was talking about all those other men that they didn't mean anything to her, and I, she didn't give anything of herself to any of them. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to come home. Joe says, "You know, I love you, and if you tell me that you will at least try to get sober, you can move back in here and be with our daughter. Yeah. But you have to make some effort." Right. She says, "I don't think I'm strong enough," and it ends with her leaving. The daughter waking up and him saying. Well, you know, your mommy's sick. He goes to look at the window and the movie ends. Yeah. Now. And he, and she, well, you have to, you forgot one part. What what I forgot? She asks, she asks him, is mommy going to get better? And she, and he said, well, I did. But not, not telling her anything about her mother ever coming back. Because he's talking to a little girl and Jack Lemon wants to seem somewhat, you know, hopeful. Yes. Right. The legend has it, babes, is that Blake Edwards, Jack Lemon, and Lee Remick really liked the fact that this movie had a sad ending. Mm. So Blake Edwards goes to a screening of the film on the Warner Brothers lot, which financed and released this movie. Mm -hmm. The executives watch it and tell... Blake Edwards, we need a happier ending. You have to reshoot it. Jack Lemon was contractually obligated. He had to reshoot the ending because of the way they got the financing for this movie. Mm-hmm. So legend has it that Blake Edwards 
called Jack Lemon after the screening and said, get out of town so they can't reach you. And Jack Lemon moved to Paris for a few months so that they couldn't reshoot it. And they had to stick with the sad ending. Mm. I'm assuming that's true because I like the story. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think if they would have had a happy ending to this movie, it would have taken the movie down a notch. Mm. Because keeping it real, most of the time, addiction stories don't end good. No, and I think that this is, and I commented to you that, uh, earlier, this is probably the most realistic depiction of what alcoholism does to people. Mm. Because you really, really see Lee Remick and um, that really disturbing scene when she's at the hotel and she's like, get out of here. I don't care about anything or anyone, you know, and she's very plastered. And then you see that one scene with, um, with Jack Lemon and he's crying over a bottle of alcohol and he's a blubbering fool and he's breaking all the pots and he's crying because he wants his next drink. It's also incredibly, incredibly ballsy to do an anti-alcohol movie in 1962 when half of the other films out there, the characters are drinking. Uh Uh-huh. It was very, uh, yeah, very gutsy as to how they did that. It was very clever. The performances are amazing. I did some research online. Jack Lemmon got an Oscar nomination, but he didn't win for this movie. Uh, For real, though? He maybe should have won the Oscar. He I was know. great in that. Both of them and were. Both of them were. Yeah, they were. I mean, they really, I mean, if you didn't know, you would have probably thought they were real alcoholics because <laughs> they were really good. Really good. What does this movie teach us? Sorry. Uh, that's okay. Tummy, my tummy's growling. That's okay. About facing our own addictions. Mm. Well, so this is what I've been hearing from a lot of like addiction, addiction recovery. I almost mix the two works together. Okay. Addiction, um, addiction recovery places. Not not everybody says this, but I hear a lot of people saying addictions are diseases, and I have a real problem with that. I think that's oftentimes taken out of context. I hear what you're saying. How can something be a disease and yet you don't discover it until later in life and all you have to do is stop a behavior? Or help get help to stop it. Yeah. So, like, is alcoholism an addiction? I wouldn't phrase it like that. What I would say is – or in a, a disease, I would use different verbs. I would say having an addictive personality might be a mental disease. And one of the ways it manifests itself is with problems with with drugs and alcohol. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Because you're right. There are certain people that do have addictive personalities. That they mm-hmm. can di- get addicted to anything. And addictive personalities could be a mental disease. There's a scene I love in this movie. It's where Jack Klugman goes over to help Jack Lemon, And he starts talking about... You know, you said, Joe, that before your wife started drinking, she was really into chocolate. Mm -hmm. And a psychologist might have told you that while it doesn't mean that she's going to have a problem with alcohol, it may be a sign that she has an addictive personality. Mm. 
And I really like that part. Right. But the, but it's interesting though because some people love chocolate, but I do. they don't they don't get into drinking or they don't get into drugs or tobacco. Yeah, all he was trying to say is that's representative yeah. a sign that you could have an addictive personality and that introducing yeah. alcohol into the mix could cause a problem. Right. I mean, and I, I, that was I was trying to get to there, but you. Oh, um, I got there faster, babes. Yes. Good. That not every not everyone who loves chocolate is going to be a a compulsive alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. This is a super mature movie. It's very good. I wonder what it was like just being a regular audience member at the time of its release, right? And you're used to seeing happy films. Blake Edwards the year before had directed. Breakfast at Tiffany's, which has some alcohol, uh, some drinking in, and then it's a super loose film. And then you go and see this. Yeah, and that, and also um, Jack Lemmon was usually known for his comedies. Exactly. He had done Some Like It Hot mm-hmm. and a few other ones by this time. Have you seen that one? I have not. I've heard it's pretty good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I like to see that one, too. Um, now I want to see more Jack Lemmon stuff. Um, but he was, and he was known for comedies. And in fact, we just saw a little bit of an interview with him and say, you know, they're saying, why don't you do a comedy? Mm-hmm. You, you do comedies well. Why don't you do a comedy? And we won't have any, we won't say anything about it and you know, we won't tell you what to do. Um, and he said, he was mentioning that the days of wine and roses was made before that adaptation, I think. Right. Apparently they had done a television version. Okay. He mentioned the stars of it. I forget. One of them ended up marrying his first wife after they got Cliff a something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was Cliff Robinson. I could be wrong. Yeah. Right. And they said, and the interviewers like that must have been really awkward. It's like, yeah, it was a little bit until mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> until we were working together. <laughs> <laughs> what might be fun to do one night, babes? If you want to see more Jack Lemon movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it really as next week? That could be a possibility. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. He won two Academy Awards, mm-hmm. one for Mr. Rogers and one for, I believe, The Day of the Tiger. Mr. Roberts. Mr. Roberts. Not Rogers. Okay. Okay. And The Day of the Tiger. Mm. It might be fun to watch the two films that won him the Oscar. Mm-hmm. It might be good. Yeah. I've also heard The Apartment is a really fun movie, which is um. directed by Billy Wilder. Mm-hmm. Who also did Sabrina, Sabrina? Sabrina. Sabrina. It could it could be that we watch um, you know four Jack Eleven stuff. I that don't could know. be cool. Something different. Yes. Because we are. I mean, we just got the dramatic side of Jack Lemon last night, mm-hmm. and it was really good. <laughs> Very impressive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, babes, that the movie Dune is coming out on Thursday in theaters and HBO Max. Oh, I didn't know that. And that's a part of the Dune series, right? Yeah, it's based on the the Dune series, okay. So that might be an option, too. I really love HBO Max. So for some context, three of the four movies we're watching this weekend are currently available on their service. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of classic movies on, and that's the type of thing, you know, that's more of my jam right now. Yes, it is. I, I re- I'm really enjoying classic stuff because I didn't have. I I mean, before we met each other, I didn't know if I would like them, mm-hmm. but now I realize that I really am enjoying them. Yeah, really have enjoyed all, a lot of the Humphrey Bogart and the um, Audrey Hepburn and Catherine Hepburn stuff we were watching. 
and really appreciating how cinema was back then. I always liked older movies, but my appreciation has grown during the pandemic. And I had a feeling once you had exposure to a few good films that were a little bit older and off the beat and path that you'd probably enjoy them too. Oh yeah. I was very open to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I knew some people that were into older movies when I was in high school, at least one person I knew of that was, but, um, my friends, our our mutual friends were like, why does she like to watch that? But now I realize, oh, these older films are gems. A oh, lot yeah. of them are gems. I always liked older movies. I remember being like 10 or 11 and really enjoying Forbidden Planet. That came out in 56. Mm. And when I was 11, I saw Gone with the Wind, and you already know about that. Right. And even though it took me a really long time, I'm glad that I finally saw it. I am too, babes. Yes, I'm glad that I finally, finally got to see that. What would you give the Days of Wine and Roses on a scale from 1 to 10? I would give that an 8.5. I agree. I would give Gone with the Wind a 9. Nice. I mean, that was that was an awesome movie. Both, both those movies were good. I, I liked Cool Hand Luke, but there was something about the Days of Wine and Roses that really captivated me. On a normal movie night... Cool Hand Luke would have been the best movie we saw. Right. And maybe even on a normal movie weekend. It just so happened that we followed it up with a movie that's really, really incredible. But that's nothing, that's taking nothing away from Cool Hand Luke. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really good. Would you recommend The Days of Wine and Roses to oh, yeah. your family? I certainly would. How would you sell it to them? Um... <laughs> This is a realistic depiction of what alcoholism is. <laughs> this is what it could do to people. <laughs> Watch it and learn from it. Yes. Because it might be you. I don't know. <laughs> it might be you someday. <laughs> You're not careful. <laughs> you like my evil laugh? I do. To a certain extent. Oh, tickle wool? No. Okay. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about the movie? No, no, no. Go go and uh, rent it, uh stream it. It's good. Yes. It's very very good. You get to see Jack Lemon grow as a human being during this movie because he goes from being a villain to being the good guy. And Absolutely. you see the process. And then you see her as the um the woman that's stuck in a rut. It's weird. Like, you see him grow. But she doesn't. And you see her... Um, What's the word I want to use? You see her, her decline. Decline, yeah, yeah, as he's growing. You see her decline because initially she was the one with no problem. Yeah. And it just shows how easily it is for someone who didn't have a problem before and never drank a drop of alcohol... Uh, quickly get thrust into alcoholism that in that shorter time, but uh, Jack Lemon is the one who who uh, actually stays sober and wants to keep on staying sober for his sake, uh, for his daughter's sake, and for their marriage. Yes. If if it, if it's all possible to um, save it, yes. so yeah, very good, babe. so good, yes. J-Lo, did you have any dreams last night? I did not. I had a weird one. You and I were hanging out, and we were at some family reunion of mine. I was trying to make, 
like a spaghetti casserole, mm-hmm. but I had run out. I go into this other room where most of the food is, and I take this potato dish or part of it that one of my cousins had made, and I put it in my spaghetti casserole. <laughs> then I wake up. You, you mix it with somebody else's already made dish? Yes. <laughs> it's a dream base. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> Uh, of course, in real life, that wouldn't happen. It's like, no. hey, how come you took part of my dish and, and put it in yours? <laughs> that is so funny. Thank you, babes. Mm. Yes, yes, Speaking yes. of casseroles, do you like green bean casserole? I do. It's delicious, isn't yes, it? It is. That's another thing we could um, potentially make. It's a possibility there. It's delicious. Whoa. And it's got cheese, and you could add, um, uh, I, I don't remember if there's potatoes in it, but. So good. Nice. <laughs> yes. Well, babes. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I think we covered a lot today. I think we did too. I, I go ahead. I think what we should do yes. is have a little snack. Um, watch some TV. I do need to hook up with my phone, yes. but that that could be later. Yes. And then uh, at a a good time, we should start. The preparations for our next dinner tonight. I like that, babes. Yeah. But first, I'm going to need a kiss. Okay. I think I will. Quite. Mmm. 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 Bubs. What, what's going on? Do you stop doing that? Sorry, I didn't know. It's really distracting. Okay, it's really distracting. All right. I, yeah, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Do you ever wonder if people think it's funny that we kiss at the end of our, um, you know, how many times we kiss during the episode and that we kiss at the end of the episode? I do have a friend <laughs> who said that he thought it was fun. Really? Yes. He, he thought it was cute? Yes. Now, does that mean that everybody likes it? No. I would imagine if um, any of your exes are listening to this, that that would really make them cringe. I don't think any of my exes listen to this. At least I would not hope not. I would hope so. Oh, I know, I know you do, but I would hope. So here's the thing. Is it possible that uh, my exes have checked out an episode here or there? Yeah. But do I think they listen on a regular basis? No. Uh, I would hope they listen to it on a regular basis and get a kick out of it. And you hope that they don't. Well, I also hope that I don't believe any of my, I know for sure one of my exes wouldn't be listening to it, but I don't know about the other ones. (laughs) I hope not. So if you used to date us, please write us uh, an email. <laughs> well, and then, and, and, uh, not everybody, not every ex knows my email either. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. I don't think any of my exes have my email. <laughs> like for, for real. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm. Is that true? I think that's true. <laughs> well, I hope it. Is true that they don't know your email. Yeah. So don't email us. Don't. Okay. 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 Take take back what you said. Don't email us and certainly don't text oh, or call Oh, us. okay. Okay. I know how to reach out to us if you're an ex. Oh, jeez. I'm on Clubhouse a lot. Ugh. Oh, we should talk about the panel discussion we're setting up. <sighs> no, 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 no. We'll save that for another time. Uh, let's talk about it tomorrow. If you used to date either Alana or myself, <laughs> get a Clubhouse account. They're free. <laughs> And 
listen, there's a lot of like Clubhouse as much as I do. No, but that's, you know, we're working on that. Oh, jeez. But next time you see me on and you're like, hey, that's Rick from Green J. Lo and Hammond. Say something. <laughs> Say, hey, I used to date your girl. Uh, and you really brought out some greatness in her that I wasn't able to do. I, I doubt that any of my exes would be on Clubhouse. Or if you used to date me, you could say, hey, Rick, uh, that's really incredible. And, you know, what, what else? I don't know. <laughs> I know where I'm going with this, babes. <laughs> say what else to you. <laughs> what else to you. There we go, babes. Anyway. And I really like that Elena Gilo person you're with. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> All right, I think I think we need to go now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.